Today we have another Q&A episode, answering all of your running questions. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Thank you for everyone who has submitted your questions, um, either via the Run Smarter Facebook group or via the Patreon, um, the exclusive Patreon Facebook group. I am growing quickly. The the tribe is growing. That'd be both the Patreon group and the Facebook group. I think we're um, almost approaching a thousand members on the Facebook group. So uh, when I put forth a Q and A episode. A lot more answers are coming in. <laughs> um, so, th- so how it's going to work is the patrons will get priority because they are contributing to the show, and um, along with all the other exclusive benefits they do during these Q and A episodes and during other questions to when I have say a guest on, um, they'll obviously have priority. And then if there isn't enough questions, or if I just want a little bit more input, it's going to tear down to the um, the Run Smarter Facebook group. And so in these particular episodes, I want to try and answer about five questions because that will take us to hopefully around 30 minutes, 40 minutes, which is a nice time for an episode. And um, yeah, so thanks to everyone who has submitted. I haven't had the chance to answer all of your questions, but I uh, have tried my best and there will always be um, more Q&A episodes in the future. Um, so I have gathered my five questions. Um, If you are interested in joining the Patreon group as well, um, it's five Australian dollars and you do get exclusive podcast episodes. Uh, You get a choice of, well, you get to decide kind of the direction of the podcast, future podcast episodes, um, as well as, yeah, asking questions like these and to guests. Um, Like I said, it is five Aussie dollars per month and you do jump into the exclusive Facebook group. The link is always in the show notes. If you ever want to click on info, scroll down through the description of the podcast, the links to my Run Smarter app and links to sign up to become a patron, always there. Um, And that's with every episode. Um, So yeah, let's dive in. Um, Let's start with Justin, who um, is one of the patrons. And when I asked for the Q&As, he submitted five separate questions. Sorry, Justin, I'm only going to answer one of them. Um, I'll go with your first one. And feel free to contribute to future episodes um, when I do ask for Q&As. But 
yeah, I'm only going to have to, because there was a lot of people coming in. Um, I have gone with your first question, which you asked if we are trying to ramp up mileage extremely quickly for a race without getting injured, how can we successfully do so? Uh, it's going to be very hard to successfully do it. And it's going to almost be going against laws of nature, like these universal laws. And I don't think there is an easy answer to your question. First of all, let, let's be honest. If it was an ideal world, you would allow enough time, you'd be patient and you would slowly build up to a good base mileage, a good base of strength. Um, if anything, you'd maintain a good base of mileage and strength during an off season so that you don't have to face these particular um, scenarios because we know that training errors and doing something too quickly, doing too much too soon, running too fast too soon is a recipe for getting injured. Uh, And we need to respect the laws of that adaptation zone, hitting your adaptation zone and following it as we get stronger. That's back to our universal principles, the first 10 episodes of the podcast. But I do have something to add here. Um, You do need to weigh up the risk versus reward. And a lot of times if say someone's injured and they have a marathon coming up or what they've trained for coming up, they're like, am I ready? We do need to weigh up a risk versus reward. And there might be associated risks with returning too soon and an injury flaring up and you have to face months off rather than days or weeks off. But the reward is potentially the likelihood of successfully doing that race. And so depending on the scenario, depending on your level of fitness, depending on how much you have to ramp up your mileage, you might want to take on the risk. And if you get injured, um, so be it. You said this was the risk versus reward that I agreed to at the start. But let's just say hypothetically, based on your question, you've decided to uh, go way up a lot of risk and ramp up a, a really quickly um, to prepare for a race. There, I've got three tips. One, you need to sleep and you need to recover. So we did the whole month throughout December on talking about that, talking about recovery. Yes, sleep is the most powerful thing you can do. So if you are ramping up your mileage really quickly, you need your body to uh, respond, absorb, get stronger, adapt to all that load. And we do so through good quality sleep. And so you could get your good quality sleep and then do a nap during the day if you have that luxury. Um, So try and get a good level of sleep. That's my first one. My second tip would be if you have to build up, try just doing it like at a low intensity. And if you are doing say a marathon or an or an ultra. I know a lot of people, uh, I've talked to a lot of ultra runners. They talk about this time on feet. It doesn't matter what intensity you're doing. You're just spending time on feet. And so you might not be able to handle running a lot of miles. However, you might be able to tolerate doing a walk run for a lot of miles. And I'm talking say two hours, three hours, four hours. If it's just walking and casual jogging, all of that is just contributing to time on feet and building up a bigger base. And so that will re- that will reduce your risk of getting injured um, and you still are adapting to long mileage, you could say. So we're reducing the risk by reducing the intensity. Um, that's my second tip. And my third one is just, look, if you do get injured, just recognize that you took on the risk. 
a lot of people are saying, yep, risk versus reward, let's do it, let's run, and then they get injured, and then they're so upset about themselves, and they're so down, and they're beating themselves up. But this is the risk you took on, and just accept that's the way of life, um, that's just what happens, and yeah, this is why we have these risk versus reward. Don't beat yourself up, don't be hard on yourself, it's just the way of life and the risk that we took. Um, so one, sleep, two, just build up a huge base of just doing really low intensity, um, a lot of walking and see how you go. And third, don't get too hard on yourself if you get injured. Thanks, Justin. Um, I look forward to your future questions that you submit. Uh, Jill, just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Jill River asked her question. Thank you so much for Jill. She's like one of my top supporters, top contributors to the, the patron group and the um, the Facebook group. So thanks, Jill, for all your, all your hard work and your enthusiasm in the podcast. She asks, I've heard runners get black toes. What is it? How can it be prevented? And how to treat it if we get one or more? It's a good one that I haven't talked about yet. Um, so black toes or black toenails is essentially just bruising underneath the toe. It's blood that's collected underneath the nail and it could be sore. It could just be black and not sore. And then eventually over weeks, months, it eventually just falls off because of the, um, it's not getting the blood supply that it needs. It dies, it falls off, a new nail grows, which takes several months, but can be quite painful in the early days. Um, it's created by just hammering of the toe, which is why it's usually the big toe, unless you have your second toe is longer than your big toe, and that's contributing to more of the hammering or slamming into the front of your shoe. And so when you run, sometimes depending on the type of running that you do, you might experience the the toes just like slightly hammering or the nail just slamming into the front of the shoe every step, um, which it doesn't like. It's just trauma-based and then the, the bruising and the bleeding will start. So there are some things we can do. I've got five points here, uh, which can be quite helpful. Number one, just keep your toenails short. Make sure that as long as you're not, like every millimeter counts when we're talking about the front of the shoe slamming. And so... Keep your toenails clipped regularly. Keep them slow. That could be like a really easy tip. Number two, get some well-fitted shoes. Because we know that it is slamming the front of the shoe, we might want to either um, go half a size up or find a type of shoe that has a, a bigger toe box where your feet can kind of splay out and move around a bit better without slamming into the front. Um, so that could be, it could be a shoe fit issue. Three, um, this is just in my opinion, I haven't read this anywhere, but lace up your shoes properly, especially the the top two uh, rows. So if it's really loose around the ankle, that's when the foot is going to slide forward. It's not necessarily the front of the shoe where the toes are that you need to be really tight. It's more the, the ankle component so that when you contact the ground, the ankle kind of stays where it is and doesn't slide forward and then the toes start sliding forward as a result. So it might be a lacing issue. The fourth one is just really take your time if you're running downhill. If you're doing a lot of trail running and you um, 
yeah, if you're like increasing your speed when you're running downhill, that's when the toes really slam into the front of the shoe. So keep that in mind. You might want to, if you're in the past, if you constantly get black toes and it's, you're doing a lot of hills, maybe just, first of all, focus on the other three tips that I just talked about, but also just, you can just take your time just slow down your speed when you're running and make sure that, yeah, we're not just contacting and slamming our toes into the front of our shoe. The fifth one, uh, particularly for long distance runners, keep in mind that the longer you spend on your feet, the larger in size your feet are going to get. And we're talking about like ultra marathoners, like throughout hour two, hour three, hour four, the, the feet just get bigger. They slightly get bigger, which means that you might, as the shoe get, as the foot gets bigger and the shoe stays the same, by the end of the race, you're probably slamming your toes into the front of your shoe just because of there's no available space. So uh, this is actually good timing because I interviewed Rebecca Rushton, who's a podiatrist, and we're going to talk about blisters. And uh, I interviewed her yesterday at the time of recording, but you will get her episode, I think it's next week. Um, Let me just double check while I'm here. I can just scroll up my page. Um, So this episode comes out and then uh, next week. So in seven days time, you'll hear from Rebecca and she um, talks about ultra runners they will have different running shoes and as the the event goes on and they start running more and more distances they'll move into a different shoe which might be a bigger shoe or a, like a half size bigger and they just recognize that their shoe their feet get bigger and even towards the end they um, she says that some ultra runners in their bigger shoe they just cut the the tops off their shoes so the so there's a lot of space, like there's nowhere, um, there's no casing around the, the toes. So look, just keep that in mind if you are an ultra runner and you're experiencing black toes. Um, so let me go through those again. Number one, keep your toes short, keep them trim. Number two, get some well-fitted shoes. Number three, lace up properly, especially the top two layers. You can keep those like kind of firm, but not too tight, but firm. Uh, number four, take your time when running downhill. And number five, keep in mind that the feet get bigger as you run more and more hours. So thanks for that, Jill. Um, Keep up your great work. John asks, I value some feedback on how to keep uh, your runs focused when working towards a specific event or race. Oh, when not working towards a a specific event or race, I have no trouble running without, uh, without having an event date in sight, but also find myself getting repetitive the same distance and pace, but we can kind of apply this question to, um, let's just say people who aren't preparing for a race and they've just lost a bit of, um, enthusiasm and it's getting a little bit mundane. Um, so thanks, John. I have a couple of dot points here. First of all, if you don't have a race and you are losing the love for running, there's nothing wrong with doing something else for like have a bit of running downtime. So instead of running three to four times a week, you're now doing it one to two times a week, but enjoying maintaining a good level of fitness and maintaining um, your strength through other means, whether it be like gym classes or whether it be cycling or whether that be hiking or something that's still maintaining your cardio, maintaining your level of strength, but just doing something different. Um, So I guess there's nothing wrong with doing that, but uh, I've got some other suggestions. One could be you can find a mini goal to train for. So if you don't have an event, uh, maybe just set your own personal goal, which could be say, like a short distance PB 
um, just train on getting stronger and getting faster. Um, that could be something that can keep you entertained. Trying um, just just sort of change up your running, change up your running routine. It might be change of scenery. It might be getting out in nature. It might be doing walk runs and kind of just low intensity. Maybe that's like sparking some more enjoyment. Maybe do it with friends running around. Um, having some friends are good to keep you distracted, just change things up. Level of accountability as well. Things like hiking. Hiking's a good option. You can do a little um, bits of walking, climbing up some heavy terrain and also doing periods of jogging in between that as well. So things you can change up that way. Other ideas you could change, um, like to like one day you do intervals, one day you do hills, one day you're out in nature. Um, that could be something. So just keeping things guessing, listening to music, listen to podcasts, no music, listen to the birds chirping. Um, you could join a run club so or like join like a park run on Saturdays when they start opening up. Uh, so joining a club, I have done it previously, um, gives you a level of accountability. So you go down every Tuesday night. Um, it gives you kind of direction or intention of that certain workout. And it's also social as well. So you don't have to have an event coming up, but you can still have these focused routine um, social events, which can be really nice. And... Uh, the other one that I could just think of is just have a race in mind. If you find that you're the type of person who gets really, um, it loses the love when you do have, when you don't have a race in mind, just find a race and it might be more than 12 months away, but it could be a challenging one. That's more than 12 months away. And that way it's just staying in the back of your mind every time. And although you have ample time to prepare for it, um, it's still in the back of your mind to prepare for. So that might be something that you could do. Um, yeah, and so um, that's they're, they're the dot points I have written down. First of all, don't feel bad just having some downtime away from running. Um, find a little mini goal, just change things up, keep a variety going. Um, variety is the spice of life and we don't want things getting mundane. So um, just come up with creative ways just to change that variety. Okay, thanks for that, John. Uh, our next question is from Chelsea. She says that... Um, stability what what's the stability work for runners is it necessary particularly trail running um would be awesome how important is it and how to put it into practice particular exercises like functional um that are functional for running and how to progress etc uh i asked a, a bit of clarity i'll clarify around this um and she says that she might want to start trail running but has a fear of say tripping or rolling ankles falling over and because she's done a lot of <clears throat> like speed work, oh, a lot of um, track work and a lot of flat work and interested in any like sort of balance and stability work that might be beneficial for running uh, in straights as well. Is there any benefit? So um, this actually lines things up really well because if you are, say, prone to ankle sprains, it's perfect timing to listen to the, the ankle sprain episode that I did. Um, let me scroll back up to see when that was because I always find myself getting quite confused. Um, so it was last week. So um, it came out Friday. Um, yeah, last week. Have a listen because if you are chronic, um, if you have recurrent episodes of rolling your ankle and you're a bit apprehensive to start doing some trails and you feel like there's not a lot of stability, go back to that episode. It does have some exercises that you can work on. It does have progressions there how to work on strength, balance, proprioception, 
um, and all those things. If you are starting trails, let's just say you're a good runner, you've got a good level of confidence with your balance, you don't have a history of ankle sprains and you want to start trails, I don't think there's a lot of balance work or stability work that will help you. But what will is really practicing reading the terrain and practicing good foot placement. It can be a skill in itself and you can just start with easier terrain or just really slowing yourself down um, with the terrain kind of predicting where you should put your foot and then just progress from there to like faster speeds or harder, I guess, terrain. Just take your time um, if the environment that you're running in is not very familiar. But if you misstep, let's say if you trip on um, a bit of gravel or a, a branch or something and you roll your ankle, Ankle stability exercises aren't going to prevent that. You're going to roll your ankle anyway. Um, So that's why I say it's more about the foot placement and practicing around how to safely navigate certain terrain. So ankle strength work can help increase your confidence. It could probably increase um, a little bit of foot placement, like your um, proprioception around your ankle. So if you're not confident, then that's where the balance, proprioception, strength work can come into it. But it's not going to do a lot if you roll your ankle, misstepping and um, rolling your ankle on something. When it comes to the balance and stability work on the flats, like if you are just doing level running, um, because I've heard this a lot of times, people say it's a running is a series of um, single leg balance from one side to the other. So shouldn't balance work be important because it's a balancing exercise if you're just doing single leg to single leg to single leg. Um, in my opinion, it's not really balancing. It's more of a strength, um, motor firing patterns, uh, coordination style of practice. And you're not really balancing. You're just coordinating a bunch of movements to keep moving forward or stay in form. And I remember when I first started running, I would run for, a ma- like I trained all the way up for a marathon um, in the period of about 10 months. And then I had a couple of weeks off. And then when I got back into running, I felt uncoordinated. I felt like it wasn't as smooth as what it once was. I can't remember how long I took off, but I specifically remember going for a run, just feeling awkward. And it only took like a week or so. And I was back to my normal fluid kind of motion, but it's a good example of showing how the, the body, it is a coordinated movement. And now, like years and years later, I've had enough repetition and I've had enough, um, my brain has connected that movement pattern and wired the, that coordination that I no longer feel uncoordinated. But just keep in mind that it is more of a timing thing, like the motor firing patterns. So that can be, if you feel like you are a bit, you're losing that fluid motion or you want to gain a bit of coordination, strength training and just repetition, like just doing more running, more running drills, um, more looking at your form and just repetition, repetition, repetition. The brain's going to start wiring that motor pattern together and you're going to feel like a more confident, coordinated runner. So hopefully that answers your question, Chelsea. I hope um, it's probably a little bit different from what you were expecting. But like I said, anyone who's got ankle issues, just go back to that other episode. Uh, How are we going for time? Let's have a look. Okay, so about 23 minutes. Um... Melissa, for our last question, is water running a good substitute for land running when you are injured? Does it have any strength benefits? Is it a worthwhile exercise? 
Uh, let's start with, does it have any strength benefits? I cannot see exercises in the pool having any strength, ben- or well, having the same amount of strength benefits to doing strength exercises on land because you're just removing gravity and the muscles won't be working as hard. Therefore, the benefits of strength just won't be there. And so uh, that's my question. If you are strong enough or your injury can tolerate land-based exercises, you're going to do those because you're just going to get stronger. It's not going to be worthwhile getting into the pool and doing some strength exercises in the pool or doing your hydrotherapy exercises. Yeah, unless you can't, unless it's really irritable outside of the water. Or if you want to work on range of movement, if there's a bit of fluid, um, sometimes then some hydro exercises, range of movement exercises can, can be quite nice in the pool. But that's not strength. That's just range of movement of a certain joint. Because we're, like we said, we're removing gravity. Um, water running will depend on the level of water that you have, uh, depending how high on the body it is. So you can run in water with the, the water being at your hip height. Or you could run in water with it being like at chest height. It's going to be extremely different because there's more gravity involved with less water. So it all depends. Um, But all in all speaking, um, it will not really help your running. It won't help really build up your level of tolerance. If I'd say walking and doing calf raises will be so much better for strength and building up tolerance for an injury than doing so in the water. Um, but like I said, it just depends. And I've got a few dot points here for when hydro exercise or when water running might be recommended. And so I'll go through those now. Number one is a stress fracture, like coming back from a stress fracture, especially if it's a high risk area. Um, so there are certain high risk areas, say around the femur or around the hip, um, can't really rattle them off right now. I should have a a table in front of me, but there are low risk stress fractures. There are high risk stress fractures, um, around the, let me just try and remember around the tibia, around the shin, a stress fracture that's at the front. Um, so what we call the lateral anterior lateral border is a high risk area, but a stress fracture on the other side of the shin, that's kind of inner, um, yeah, on the inside of the shin is a low risk, so if we are, if we're followed the same protocol for our high risk stress fracture, and we're slowly wanting to get back in and see how you can tolerate very low levels, you can either start with walking, but if walking is still no good, then you might want to try walking in the pool because like we said, we remove gravity and that could be a good, easy step to progressing and the body start tolerating more levels of loading. Um, the other one, when you can do some hydro and some water might be post-operative. Say if you've had a total knee, if you've had like an arthroscope, if you've had like a ankle surgery, if you've had a hip um, labral tear repair or something, hydro could be really good because again, we're taking away gravity. Um, we're encouraging range of movement. It can be very light. It can be very gradual. Um, and you'll have to follow the right guidance with your physio or your health professional around what exercise, what dosages, those sort of things. Um, keep in mind that it feels really good. I see a lot of people make this mistake of getting into the pool and just feeling super good. Their injury symptoms go away. They've got good range of movement. They feel fantastic. In their first session, they spend half an hour in the pool feeling nice. And then as soon as they get out and gravity starts to have its effect, the ramifications start to <laughs> show through 
and they're limping for the rest of the day. And it's just obviously, they've obviously overdone it just because in the pool, it feels so nice. So make sure we start slow and slowly build up once we know we can tolerate it. Um, the other point, which I've kind of made several times. So there were stress fractures. There was post-op is when some hydro or some water running might be recommended. The third one is if you're just not tolerating any land-based exercises, it just might be, um, your starting point to build up before you can tolerate some land loading. Um, and the fourth one is just swimming. Like swimming itself for cardio is great when you are injured. If you do like swimming, it's a good way to maintain cardiovascular fitness because it's tough work. Um, you're getting your lungs a bit of a workout. You're breathing quite hard depending on how fast you're swimming. Um, but it can be great for injuries because we're removing a lot of that load that runners tend to um, tend to accumulate. And so that's it. That's what we have. There are all our questions. There, there are five there to go through. Um, hopefully you enjoyed. So we're talking about being careful with, when you ramp up your mileage, all about black toes, all about focusing or creating variety. If you're, if your running's getting quite mundane, you don't have a race to prepare for, um, all around stability work and then water running. That's all our topics. Um, like I said, if you want to join the patron group, the link is always there in the show notes. It's there for every episode. Um, Sorry if I didn't get to your question. There will always be more um, Q and A's. I'll uh, put. I'll propose both the um, to submit your questions in the Patreon group and in the um, Facebook group in the podcast Facebook group. Thanks for everyone who submitted their questions. They were great questions. I think this made a, a fantastic episode. Hopefully, you learnt a lot, and we'll catch you next episode. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive Patreon Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.